This is a HeadGum Podcast. Websites can't live with them, but you know what? You can't live without them. That's why we are excited to tell you about Squarespace. Squarespace lets you turn your cool idea into a new website. You can showcase your work, blog or publish content, sell products and services of all kinds, and more. Uh, they do this by giving you beautiful templates that world-class designers created. World-class, mm. Craig. Mm. Powerful e-commerce functionality that lets you sell anything online. Um, everything is optimized for your phone right out of the box, so it doesn't matter what you're looking at that website on. It's going to look good. And they have built-in search engine optimization and 24-7 award-winning customer support to really make you feel good about your purchase. So if a website sounds good to you, if you need to make a website then you should use Squarespace and you should specifically use Squarespace by going to squarespace.com slash overdue for a free trial. When you're ready to launch, use the offer code overdue to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com slash overdue and the offer code overdue save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace website. Website. Overdue, it's a podcast about the books you've been meaning to read. My name is Craig. My name is Andrew. And we're here to tell you about books. Specifically, Fr- what kind of books, though, Craig? Um, you can't just say, it can't, it's not just books, because that would be a very, <laughs> a very shapeless podcast. Yeah, we're here to tell you one, about one book at a time. Um, one of us reads the book that we have not read before. We talk to the other person about it, whether or not they've heard about it before. They don't have a choice in the matter. And you, the listener, get to listen along and maybe learn a little bit about the book. You can decide to read it. Maybe you have read it, and maybe you aren't going to read it. Those are your options. (laughs) Any of those are fine. They're all possible here on Overdue. Um, so, Craig, specifically, what yeah. book did you read this week? Oh, I, know sure. I keep. I feel like I'm really. I got you in the hot seat. Oh no! Tell <laughs> me <laughs> now. Tell me what book you. Read. I really could have used these questions ahead of time to prepare for this interview. Well, no softballs here. Oh no! Um, I read "How Much Gold Is in These Hills" by C. Pam Zhang. Um, it is a pretty recent release, actually March 2020, I think. Um, and so, like, it was interesting even reading. Uh, about her like marketing tour quote unquote for this book because it has of course been released into a pandemic mm-hmm. um and so now you yeah. did what just one real quick real, real real quick you did get the title of the book wrong what so did i call you it to, you said um how much gold is in these hills <laughs> How much of and these hills is gold? <laughs> oh, no. Now, whether you want to leave that in or do it again, up to you. But I just wanted to point out before we went any further, it is called How Much of These Hills is Gold. How huh. much gold is in these hills? <laughs> I would still read that, but it sounds like a no, slightly different book. Because what I wrote here in my notes is a bad question about hills. And what she uh-huh. called her book um, is way better. So I need to change that or else I'm going to call the book this for the rest. <laughs> How much of these hills is gold is mm-hmm. How much gold is in these hills? <laughs> so if you can't tell from the title, this book is kind of set 
in the American West where the gold rush happened. There and is, yes, and, and uh, idiomatically, I guess, is this an idiom? There's golden in them, thar hills. There is a character, the, the father character in this book does literally say at one point, like, there's gold in these hills, which I think is where my brain is at. <laughs> Whoops. I don't think we've ever opened a show just blatantly ruining the title but you know first time i'm not gonna say never and mm. like probably we've edited it out in cases where that's happened i'm but probably leaving this does, one in yeah so it's um, so hard to get a new first in on your like 437th yeah episode. i'm erring on the side of novelty so uh zhang is, is a contemporary writer i think she's only like 30 um yeah she was born find, in 1990 yeah. what do you got andrew Oh, just that she was born in 1990. Oh, sure. And her, um, uh, the C uh, stands for Chen Chen Ji, Pam Zhang. Yeah. Is that how you pronounce that? Yeah, Zhang. Zhang is what I've heard. Yeah. Um, But she was uh, born in Beijing, China and moved to the U.S. at uh, age four. Um, She's attended Brown and Cambridge Universities. And this book, her debut and only novel so far, because it was published in 2020, so it would be pretty wild for her to have more <laughs> novels already. Yeah. Um, but it has been long listed for the 2020 Booker Prize. Um, she's yet another Iowa Writers Workshop alum. I feel like we have been on a roll with these people lately. Specifically, yeah. like maybe because we've been doing a little bit more, like looking up recent best book lists to, yeah, to find yeah. some stuff to talk about but yeah i feel like we have we have encountered them a lot yes maybe we need to go undercover and get into the iowa writers workshop oh dang i wouldn't even know what to say to those people <laughs> write any good books lately <laughs> uh how do you, are you a hawkeyes fan is what i would say the i mm-hmm. i think it's the hawkeyes. is that an iowa thing i think Okay, sounds sounds Iowa e to me. Oh man, um, I did find <laughs> there was a uh, a profile on Zhang in in April. I think um, how a Chinese American novelist wrote herself into the Wild West um, in the New York Times that talks about her experience, like after college, and she had been working at a startup in San Francisco, and then she got laid off and moved to Thailand for seven months. She said in multiple bios she's lived at like, you know, in a dozen different places over the course of her life. Um, And while she was in Thailand, she wrote a bunch of short stories and then drafted this book. Um, And she has dedicated this book to her late father who passed away, I think, eight years ago. Yeah, Um, when she was 22, she said. yeah. Yeah. Um, And she said, one thing I wanted to reflect on in the book was how when you mourn in a way that is repressed, it will haunt you. You can't get away from it. Um, And the opening fourth of this book is like two characters literally carrying their recently passed father around through the American West. We'll talk about that. Um, And where this book fits into like the canon of the West is interesting. She like grew up reading... Um, Laura Ingalls Wilder and John Steinbeck and what is his name McMurtry the guy whoever wrote Lonesome Larry Dove. McMurtry Larry I McMurtry yes. yeah um, and she has talked about like being very moved by that style of fiction and um, traveling west when she was young from Kentucky to California um, and wanted to was interested to write a story that kind of 
uh, actually represents some of the folks who were there who have been erased from history in some major ways. Um, yeah, I was. Um, yeah. I was. I'm not sure if it was the New York Times uh, piece that I think you already mentioned or another another interview, but they talk about. Um, so a lot of the railroad that was built like coast to coast in America's earlier days was built by uh, Chinese labor. Yeah. Who and and they were not <laughs> they're not treated humanely or nope. paid well. That's for sure. Nope. And so you have pictures of this railroad being completed and everybody celebrating and none of the people who build it are in that, in that photo. They're not like part of that history. Um, and this, I'll just read a paragraph directly from this about some other books that are sort of in this. Oh, sure. You from yeah. uh, Asian American writers. Um, there is the thousand crimes of Ming Su by Tom Lin, uh, forthcoming from little Brown, which is set 150 years ago and follows a Chinese American assassin seeking revenge after his wife is abducted. Uh, Prairie Lotus, uh, is a book for young readers that its author, the Korean American writer, Linda Sue Park describes as a painful reconciliation of her youthful love of Wilder's little house on the Prairie books with the sometimes racist views they espoused. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. See, I think that's I think that is an interesting like vein of of art, and it's one that we've visited b- before. I think the um, the wind done gone might yeah. fall into this a little bit. Sure, is, um, like authors going back to works that they did enjoy as kids or as you know when they were younger, but did not see themselves in, and they want to give young readers today a chance to or any any readers really a chance to see themselves in that in that story and also like flip the story on its head by presenting a perspective that's just like ignored or minimized or like actively um abused i guess in yeah. that in that narrative you know yeah there was um apparently in 2019 i think was the 150th anniversary of that like golden spike ceremony of that finished the transcontinental railroad in utah um and they actually had like recognition of the Chinese laborers that put it together and worked on it. Um, none of whom were mentioned at the centennial of the railroad. <laughs> and like whoever gave that speech was like, Americans built this. I'm like, well, okay. Mm. Um, <laughs> and I found an interview with the American Booksellers Association where uh, Zhang said, the railroad wasn't in the first few drafts of this novel. When I introduced it later, it clicked. The building of the railroad um, and the crucial but invisible role that Chinese immigrants played in it was the perfect vehicle for themes I've been wrestling with. The civilizing of the West, labor and opportunism, the exploitation of immigrant dreams, the unequal distribution of wealth. Plus, there is something forceful and unforgettable about the image of the railroad cutting into the last and wildest part of this country. It signals a brutality and finality that are chillingly American. Um, and that is, that is a thing I have seen other other western fiction deal with is that like technology be via the railroad or the telegraph or whatever like forever changing life on the quote-unquote frontier um and like that being an irrevocable change seems important um so what's deadwood it, yeah, I don't want to just lean on Deadwood because it is the the Western fiction that I've spent the most time with, but I'm sure mm-hmm. it will come up as we talk about the rest of this book. Um, should we take a quick break, Andrew, and then we'll get into it? Yeah, let's take a break. Cool.
Craig, people are heading back to school. It's true. And it's it's going okay yeah. for some of us, less okay for for others of us, but uh regardless, things are things are not normal. No, they are not. It's important to remember that. Um but if you've got kids at home who are trying to adapt to the difficulties of remote schooling and learning or if you need a little extra help, uh, our sponsor, Varsity Tutors, might be able to get you there. Varsity Tutors delivers free live enrichment classes taught by experts that make learning fun. It's fun. They have, <laughs> they have hundreds <laughs> of free online classes that are guaranteed to enrich your child's educational experience. Varsity Tutors has you covered for all of your back-to-school needs, from one-on-one tutoring to self-study tools to homeschooling resources. Varsity Tutors has a 4.9 out of 5 satisfaction rating on Trustpilot, which is pretty high. That's pretty high. Almost as high as you can go. So to reserve... To reserve your spot in a free class, go to varsitytutors.com slash overdue. That's varsitytutors.com slash overdue. Give your child the confidence and keys to success today at varsitytutors.com slash overdue. Andrew, our podcast is also brought to you and us this week by Care Of, which can help you maintain your health goals with a customized vitamin plan that helps you feel your best today and supports you long term. Uh, Care of is hassle-free. They will ship you vitamins and supplements in pre-portioned packets that can help you stick to a routine. They've got uh, quality stuff. Their website includes research and sourcing on all of the products so you know what you're getting. And it's very easy to get started. They have a five-minute online quiz that asks you questions about diet, lifestyle, health concerns uh, to help you address your wellness goals. I've taken the quiz. It's a very straightforward experience. Um, I came away. What with good? Some, what vitamins did they say? They mostly were recommending like oils that are good for for heart stuff, which is actually uh, stuff I'm always on the lookout for. So, for fifty percent off your first care of order, go to takecareof.com and enter the code overdue fifty. Again, for fifty percent off your first care of order, go to takecareof.com and enter the offer code overdue fifty. Take care of yourself with care of. So, Craig, can you tell me how much gold is in these hills? (laughs) (laughs) I can tell you how much of these hills is gold, Andrew. Yes, I can. Well, that's almost as good. Um, I will first tell you that there is a one-sentence epigraph at the beginning of this story uh, that is just, this land is not your land. It's not a quote. It is just there at the beginning of the book. Um, And I think that that is perhaps directed at white readers like myself, um, who live here in United States of America and should give some thought as to whose land I am living on mm-hmm. um, and the history that gets told about it. Um, so as we said before the break, like this book is in conversation with kind of the epic Western, but not in the like cowboys Western way, more, I think more in the, Steinbeck is a good touchstone. Deadwood is not a bad touchstone because it's gritty and is about like the actual lived experience. It's not like, you know, we got to go save somebody. It's like, no, these are some people with problems that it happens well, to and, be. Well, and also <laughs> like examining how a society orders itself mm. and is affected by technology. Yes, I that's guess. true. Yeah. Uh, and also I think... There is, if folks are familiar with um, 
some Faulkner, As I Lay Dying is a book I've seen mentioned alongside this one. It's a book I read in high school um, that is a weird book, but is about a family like traveling with their dead matriarch, maybe? I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, but the beginning of this book, as I alluded to, is like really centered on these two orphan sibling or orphaned siblings uh, carrying around their dead father through Northern California, mm-hmm. trying to figure out what to do with him. Um, um, yeah. So I, as I was researching and, and reading interviews uh, that, that uh, she had done with different outlets, um, the, the gender of these two is intentionally left sort of vague. Um Where's the quote that I had from her? So while you find that, we're talking about Lucy and Sam, who in the mm-hmm. first part of this book, I believe, are 12 and 11. Mm-hmm. Um, in the year XX62, the book says. I think that's oh. supposed to be 1862 and not it's some like, like Mega Man it's, year. Yeah, but... it's, it's when the Mega Man games <laughs> take place. Uh, no, this is from a Bomb Magazine interview okay. that she did. Um she says, the weird syntax of the book arose because from the outset, I wanted to avoid using pronouns. One of the main characters, Sam, has a gender presentation that is unaccepted. And so Lucy, Sam's sister, is uncertain as to whether to refer to Sam as he or she. That uncertainty is reflected in the syntax of the book. So yeah. I'm, I don't know if you want to get into that now as we get introduced to the characters or if you want to save that for, for later when it comes up like narratively. It's- but. It came up a couple times in uh, in stuff that I read about the book, so I was just curious to get your take on like what that feels like to read and also like what service or um, what uh, purpose it serves, narratively speaking. Sure, sure. So I think we can get into it. The book is divided into four parts, so let's start in XX62, where... Uh, their <laughs> Dr. Light has created eight <laughs> robots. Sorry. Um, where Lucy and Sam's father, uh, who is referred to only as Ba, um, which is uh, a nickname or a name for father, um, and their Ma. Uh, no last names are used for this family in the book. It kind of gives it a, a mythic or, you know, not totally grounded in reality, I, I suppose, or at least... Um, I don't know it has it has an affect to it. Um, ba dies in the night, prompting them to seek two silver dollars. That is the first like sentence of the book. So Lucy and Sam uh, are now on their own. They have to bury their father. Their mother is gone slash dead. That is an open question at this point in the novel, but she has not been around for several years. Um, Lucy is the older of the two by a year and has borne the brunt of their father's kind of drunken abuse. He has really fallen into the bottle since their mother was gone. Um, And Sam is more valuable to their father as a laborer. Um, Initially, the thought, you know, when they were younger, Lucy was going to the coal mines with Ba and working with him in the, you know, holding open doors and tight spaces and things. Um, I'll get to the point where they actually switch roles, but Sam ends up becoming the, you know, kind of number two to Paz, uh, to Baz, excuse me, like gold schemes mm-hmm. um, and other mining work. Do and, love a good gold scheme. Yeah, there's a bunch of them in this book. Um, <laughs> and Sam is, uh, I didn't clock it for the first several, you know, pages of the book that Sam is sort of written as a male presenting character 
but throughout the book is pretty consistently androgynous or you know the the gender that they are presenting is very is specific and chosen um so uh sam like makes the decision to cut their hair off uh when they are younger and in school uh and present as a boy and then this affords them um you know different avenues of power and respect from different people um in the 19th century um or you know we can talk about why someone might do that but um it is revealed quote unquote in pretty early in the book after they have gotten on the run they have tried to get some silver dollars to go through with the burial of their father uh to to weigh his spirit down to put in the ground with him Mm -hmm. and it it goes bad at the bank. Sam fires a gun at someone and they have to leave town. <laughs> um, and so this like really rips them from any sort of like, there's no going home from here at this point. And they've got their dad in a trunk strapped to their horse and are just going into the, into wherever life takes them. And uh, Sam gets sick by drinking some water that they should have boiled. There's a lot of, you know, Hallmarks of playing the Oregon Trail abound in this. Yeah, story. right. Like you, <laughs> you tried to pat, you tried to caulk your wagon to get it across the river, and it just didn't quite work. No, it does not. Um, and when Lucy is caring for Sam, Lucy discovers that Sam has, uh, who is wearing, you know, masculine presenting clothes, um, has like put a like half of a carrot in a pocket at the front of their trousers, um. And is just like figured, you know, a, another way in their visual presentation to signify uh, masculinity or manhood. Um, and Lucy is like, mm, I don't know about this. This is a, I kind of knew that this was a thing, but this is an escalation of this. And ultimately, it doesn't like, it does not become a sticking point for Lucy in any way, but Sam is an interesting, uh, character throughout the book even in you know comes back later in the book after sam and lucy are separated um and yeah it's just it's Zhang handles it interestingly because you don't know it's a thing until a character thinks about it um, uh-huh. until lucy thinks about it and i think what it does for the rest of the novel the novel is very much about um, how you present yourself to the world and how the world sees you. I believe that's a thing that um, Lucy and Sam's mom talks about a lot is like the way the world sees you, shapes you. It's, it's I'm mangling the quote there, but um, they can take advantage of how they are seen. It is both a trap and an opportunity um, okay. for them to own how they are presented or how they are viewed by the world around them, but also recognizing that things like racism or misogyny or whatever it might be uh, do limit their avenues for prosperity and, and happiness. Um, so yeah, Sam is more of an adventurer and, and wants to be like their father um, and they go on this adventure to bury him but he doesn't have he doesn't have a home they don't really have a home and they've spent their lives wandering from first gold find to gold find and then mostly from coal mine to coal mine um 
And so they end up just kind of traipsing around the area west of the Rockies. Uh, I guess, I don't know. One of the mountains, are there mountains in California? It's not, probably not just the Rockies. I don't know. Yeah, there are mountains. <laughs> I think most of them have there. Mac OS releases named after them at this point. Um, and they have to like kind of complete this. It, I don't know. You could maybe say it's a little, if you're looking for a more modern uh like think about little miss sunshine like they've got this person okay. that I'm they have to you just sit and think about that movie for a Man, second that's steve carell he can really be a serious actor too <laughs> you know he can it's true <laughs> it's true mm-hmm. um but it's a little bit about uh like what are we going to do with this body um and they kind of it's literally decomposing in this truck. Like pieces of him are falling out. Right. And they end up finding a salt flat and desiccating him, like covering him in salt. Jerking their dad. They do jerky their dad (laughs) because the horse is like revolting. The horse has been carrying this heavy trunk with a decomposing body in it. Oh yeah. And the horse tries to escape by like, at night, like tearing its stake out of the ground or running away. And Sam is really pissed at the horse. And Lucy's like, listen, the horse, myself, we are not as strong as you, Sam. We can't keep doing this forever. Uh, let's desiccate our dad. Oh my God. Uh, right. And they, I mean, that's one, that's one thing you could do, I guess they do. And what, like, I, I like the, the, what do we do with this corpse as a narrative device? Because it is an inherent, like ticking clock. <laughs> like, they have to figure out what to do with him at some point, but it does not have a, there's no, as a, as the reader, I couldn't have told you what was going to happen. Like I got to the part where they're like, well, we'll salt him. So he's easier to carry. And I was like, what is happening in this book? <laughs> um, and you, the, this refrain of uh, what makes a home a home is a, is a type of phrase that their dad used for things other than homes, like dogs and, and other things. But that, that phrasing gets used a lot for like what truly constitutes a thing and that you can, you can apply that thematically to most of the things in this book, you know, most of the people in this book, like what makes you a gold speculator what makes you chinese what makes you american like how do you know a thing is a thing um is is like one of the crucial metaphors and themes of the book i think okay um they do end up burying him um they find one would hope yeah (laughs) they find a tiger skull you know is it a tiger skull in the american west maybe i mean people brought animals it could have been like where where an ancient circus it's unclear yeah uh oh so they find this tiger skull and the tiger is connected to um it becomes a symbol for their chinese heritage their mother whenever they would come to a new house because as i said they moved from coal mine to coal mine she would write the character for tiger on their floor and do like a ritual and they of course don't really know much about china at all they just know that they come from a place across the ocean Uh um and they so their connection to it is very personal and i think overall this book there's a there's a different less effective version of this book 
that is not character driven but is like historical event driven like mm-hmm. let me tell you the story about this famous coal mine or let me tell you the transcontinental railroad story and this is like no it's about these two kids who have to deal with their family and all they know about the world is like run through their understanding of their family and people that they know it bring mm-hmm. it, i don't know it makes it more human than preachy Mm -hmm. uh which i think is very valuable in a with a story that is sort of about um like kind of correcting the historical record yeah there's a there's a bit in that um bomb magazine interview where uh she and the the interviewer are talking about how first drafts feel oh sure (laughs) she's uh, she says, uh, I spent three or four years laboring over a different novel, which will now never see the light of day. I was so obsessed with making the sentences beautiful in that first novel that it became emotionally hollow. Um, it died. It became a beautiful corpse. Ooh. And so I think, I mean, I'm, I'm just, she doesn't mention specifically like characters versus history yeah. in this, but I think making it character driven rather than history driven is a way to keep it emotionally affecting rather than just having it be like interesting but a little dry yes you know what i mean yeah 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 yeah. um because like what i will say is making it character driven allows her to do a couple different things with this book that i did not expect coming in so this for it as i said the book is divided into four sections the first is sam and lucy dealing with their grief dealing with burying their father they get that done they meet a wanderer man who's like, hey, you could go live in this town called Sweetwater. And Lucy's like, I have to go do that because I am not built as an adventurer. And Sam's like, I'm not going to do that because I need to be free. And they you know, presumably are preparing to part ways. Uh, the second section jumps back in time. And honestly, I don't know why I didn't expect this. But as it, as it happened, I was like... Oh dang, I'm so glad she jumped back in time. Like it was just <laughs> I don't I didn't know where the story was going to go from post burial and I was so glad that instead of like immediately going to wherever those characters went next, it was like no, actually now let me tell you about this family. Yeah, let me let me pause and fill in some things so that when we, when we come back to these people having just buried their dad yeah, you can you've got a little more context for yeah. what they're going to be feeling. And just, you know, it's not like she didn't Tarantino it. It wasn't like, oh, I'm burying my dad in a bag because I covered him in salt. I bet you're wondering how I got myself here. Like, it's not that. Um, but so when we jump back in time a few years, I think it's like three or four years. We're back in XX 59 and she uh, Zhang like focuses more on the family unit we meet their mother. Uh, I love this line about her mother. Ma's voice is husky and low with the crackle of kept fire. I was like, dang, that's a good sentence. You could take as many mm-hmm. drafts as you want to make that happen. Yeah, that's a pretty good sentence. Um, and Ma is like a fascinating character. She's very strong, but she is clearly, you know, you there's some suffering that she's endured that you don't learn about until later. 
Um, it becomes clear over the course of this second part that she is pregnant again and is expecting what she thinks will be a boy, which colors a lot of their decisions that they make in this second section. And of now, is that based on? I mean, I assume because of the of the time. I mean, I guess I don't know what medical technology they had in XD fifty six or whatever. But I assume that's just based on superstition. Um, so the the reason that they find this out is. They discover her, you know, not having much of an appetite. Uh, and one of the kids sees her going outside at night and just eating stuff in the ground, like a mix of mud and bones and bugs and stuff. Mm-hmm. And they rat her out to their dad. And he's like, <laughs> what are you doing? And she's like, I think I'm pregnant again and I'm having like cravings for protein. She doesn't eat a lot of meat, but now all she wants is much like protein and flesh as she can. And it starts with eating bones out of the ground. Um, and they, they I say guess you could get a soup going, right? I, I think they're, you no, know, <laughs> she's going to eat these bones. And I think oh. the exact quote is like, what could be so greedy, but a boy is, is their judgment. Um, that she needs to eat this much um, and what she needs to eat. But the the shape of their life is that, you know, their dad was a gold prospector and that did not go great. Ma is the only one who actually is from China, um, which, you know, Ba is, you learn in the third section that he was actually like found as an orphan and might as well be american for whatever that counts for even though no white person treats him as a native as like native to this country you know is that uh, just like culturally like he knows nothing else yeah exactly much yeah he washed you know he was found as an hours old baby he says on the coast of california um and fell in with some people with native american heritage but then gets hired by a white guy who runs a whole gold operation and that's the whole third part of the book um so ma will occasionally speak some like chinese idioms or some turns of phrase intermixed um and that's really their only connection to this heritage and and to what they know as their home across the ocean um and this is just like an interesting it it feels like the first part of a larger a larger buildings roman book like there's a section where um they ba has started earning a lot of money again which he hasn't explained to anyone which mm-hmm. is causing some tension but it's still good cuz they need money cuz the baby's on the way and they decide to send the girls to school um, Sam is still presenting as a young girl at this point. Um, and uh, there's like, a, this chapter felt like, I don't know, my touchstone is like to kill a mockingbird or parts of little women, or even as recently as what I just read, Tree Grows in Brooklyn, like books where a kid goes to school for the first time and mm-hmm. has like all of the, I, I honestly can't remember my feelings about going to school for the first time. I really wish I could just like just huff that and just like find <laughs> out what it was. Yeah, like the very, very first time, I have no idea. Like I remember some very 
a vague thing because for preschool and then and then kindergarten i went to a montessori school oh which i actually i like i kind of dig that methodology and wouldn't be against looking into it for henry but um i don't i don't i remember being there i don't remember the first time i was there i i can i have sense memory of the hallways i was in in kindergarten but i don't really and like remember what the experience of having a teacher for the first time was you know like that kind of stuff well i I remember different like going to the the first time i switched from like the elementary school you have one teacher most of the time model to the like junior high high school you have like the schedule of periods and you have like eight different teachers like i was hate it sick to my stomach hate that before that happened because i was so scared about just like being in the wrong place and i still the the closest i get to that feeling now is when i go to a new city and have to use the mass transit system for the first time because <laughs> i am just terrified of not doing it right sure sure um so, now i do remember running through the halls of my high school and screaming at the top of my lungs oh did you go to school with john mayer yeah yeah, yeah. we went to the same high school That's a lot weird. of screaming a lot of people <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people yelling in the hallways at that school. I heard a lot of people had bubblegum tongues in that school. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But so this book reminds me of the parts of Mockingbird and Tree Grows where it's like someone who is not used to school coming to school where people know what the deal is. And um, Lucy is... I wouldn't call her precocious, but she is smart and does enjoy reading. And uh, her teacher, this guy named Lee, Teacher Lee, kind of picks up on that. But he's a weird character that, like, he's a rich guy from a rich family from the East, from the East Coast. And oh, the East Coast. Okay, good. he came out in a west. book in a book dealing with Chinese Americans. Yes. You can't just say no. You can't no, no, just no. throw around. East because I don't know what like what characters in this book might be like trying to use that as a metaphor. Yeah, fair enough. You know, he is like an again in a in a lesser novel, he would be even more arch than he is. He is like he is this guy who has come out west to do quote charitable education in the frontier. Like he is gonna because he doesn't need to earn money, he's gonna come out here and do book learning for all the like poor kids of mining families. And he is writing a monograph, a monograph, which is such a 19th century thing, um, about his experiences. So when he meets Lucy, this young Chinese girl, he has never met someone from this background before. You know, his first question, where are you really from, he asked, which is just like really rad. She's already been subjected to just racist crap on the schoolyard um, before she even gets into the classroom. And here's this like well-meaning quote unquote teacher who's just like fascinated by her and invested in recording her exoticism to him. Yeah, definitely for sure. Of the of the like folks who I follow on Twitter and who get retweeted into my feed, it's definitely like Chinese Americans and Japanese Americans who get where are you from? Ugh. Like Chicago, where are you really from? It's terrible questions. And yeah. Ugh. And when like so school does not work out for them. The the girls and the other students there are really mean. Um Sam ends up not going any longer. 
cuts their hair off very short and basically uh like starts presenting as a boy um and uh Lucy does like to keep going to school, but then ends up in like an extra lessons relationship with teacher Lee, which is basically just going to his house and him asking her a bunch of questions about her family so that he could put it in his book. Uh, but he doesn't get enough to, to finish the story. So then when she finds his monograph later, years later, she has been reduced to like a one sentence reference. Um, which is just a really clever way for Zhang to put the like what we alluded to earlier in like the eration the erasure of Chinese immigrants from this period of history mm-hmm. to be again very character driven this guy's particular eccentricities and situation, his relationship to Lucy and her family um but it does represent this kind of larger thing um this section of the book ends badly. Uh, the mines flood. People find out that the family has a bunch of gold. It does get stolen from them. Um, it's all terrible and motivated by racism. Um, uh-huh. And their uh, their mother has the baby. The baby does not live. And then the mother is gone. And again, it's an open question of whether or not she like departed or died until later in the book. Um, is that question revealed? Yeah, like you, the answer to that question. I is. mean, you you implied, yeah, the way you said that implied that it may or may not have been. Yeah. Um, and then the next two sections are interesting. They're again, they're different. Like the third section is first person from Ba's perspective. I think it is supposed to be told to her like after uh ma is gone it's it's kind of unclear when this storytelling is supposed to be happening but he tells the story of how he grew up how he met their mother um how (laughs) (laughs) yes oh no nice oh no um and the big takeaway for me from that section of the book is the we, the awkward position that he and awkward is an understatement he is hired by a white dude who runs a gold and railroad operation to be the you know translator liaison with 200 chinese workers that he has purchased transport for and promised work for and of course ba has does not speak a lick of chinese he grew up in california he has no idea um, and he also doesn't know that the people arriving on this boat actually look like him until he sees them. Of course, Ma is part of that group of people. And it, it the power dynamics at play, the cultural identity at play where he is like simultaneously part of neither group. Um, he is neither accepted among the white men he's working for nor the group of Chinese folks who have come to this country. Um even though he looks like them and is separated from them. And that that whole section does end in tragedy that I will I don't need to go into. It's the kind of book where I think that is how a lot of threads sort of end. <laughs> yeah. Um I'll say that the the tragedy that does happen leaves him and Ma basically alone. And there's a really striking moment where Zhang I think the way that she phrases it is that like 
Ma both hated and loved him. He was the only person in her life at all. So like all of her emotions ran through him. So like the tragedy that they had suffered, the love that they had shared, like she didn't have any choice but to stay with him, at least from her rationale. Um, and I, I don't know. I found that section striking again, like each section of the book, I was relieved that it was not stylistically just the previous section again. Um, and then the last section, uh, I'll just kind of allude to, it's a bit more of a, how are the kids now at XX 67? So five years hence, um, Lucy is living in the town of Sweetwater. She's made a friends with a wealthy white girl, um, and is kind of living at a boarding house, but still like palling around with this girl and, being a part of her rich life a little bit. Sam does mosey into this world um, and upend things. And then the the closing question is like whether or not they will uh, return to China and w- will they be able to make that trip um, and who will they be when they get there if they get to go. Um, and it's just, I've just found the book very affecting and it, the the style is very strong the the use of of this tiger myth as like a little dose of magical realism of like maybe there were tigers at this point in time it's as real to the characters as it needs to be to us the reader um i don't know it it is doing the the deeper work of what I think good fiction set in the American West does where it raises questions about opportunity and about what it means to have a to have a frontier and what life like there is and who gets credit for whatever happens there um I don't know are you you're not like super into West you're not a cowboy cowpoke guy you do no, like Star I'm, Trek, which d- is the final frontier. Yeah, but I mean, Star Trek is not as Western. In well, it is, the mm. original is sure. Um, but and and the original series of Star Trek features many of the elements of like John Wayney, oh gun sure, smoky westerns that I don't really care that much for, which is like a, a focus on like machismo. Yeah. And the like, I I understand why the self sufficiency would be uh, would be a draw to people. I yeah. understand why um, the idea of this like unexplored or unexplored by white people is the yes, subtext. Correct uh, territory would be would be alluring to people, but they are they're all very like flattening of the of the people who live on that land already. Yeah. Um, and they just really suffered, I think, from a lack of like perspective. It is always from this like taciturn white guy perspective. Y- it, you that I mm-hmm. and I, I, you know, as a white guy who can be taciturn, <laughs> I can't a hundred percent describe to you why that like strong silent type thing doesn't work for me, <laughs> but. <laughs> But I, I don't know. It's just there is a that that era of Westerns just like does does nothing for me. I know sure. my dad will sit in front of like Turner Classic Movies or whatever and watch that stuff for as long as it's on. 
I don't think he's really like watching it that hard, but mm. I just it's it's not a genre that I can have one in the background while I do other stuff. Even. Sure, sure. You no, know? what I what I think, um, I, you and I are both fans of the TV show Deadwood, um, and I think that there is an element of, uh, building identity to that show, which is really you know often beautiful and heartbreaking, and like, what does it mean to move to a place and have a clean slate, or is that really possible? Um, and that is certainly a, a question that is bandied around in this book um, because like who gets do you actually get to declare that you don't have a backstory and didn't come from anywhere is like a really open qu- thorny question that this book is wrestling with. So I like that element of it. Um, there's also like wealth in this book is very tangible people are literally holding gold and being like okay now we can do what we want to do in our life and i i think Uh that is a real compelling part of fiction set in this time period because like there is it's you know there's a literal it's not just like dollars in a bank account and can i pay my bills it is like i don't know it makes it even more it literalizes an anxiety that I think a lot of people have no matter when they're reading books and when, when they're experiencing a story. Okay. Um, but this book is really a like wealth as an emotional comfort wealth as a, the, the idea of having the money you need to accomplish the next part of your life is very present. And it is, yeah. it is yeah. also, that's like, that's the American dream. I watched the great Gatsby movie with Leonardo DiCaprio the other day. And that, like, that was an interesting <laughs> thing that I did, but like, that is also a, let's interrogate this notion of if only I could just get enough cash, I could have what I want. And while I think this book is doing di- things very differently than the great Gatsby, it is still a sense of like, well, there are plenty of obstacles to me getting what I want. <laughs> and in this particular time period for these particular characters, it is a mix of class. It is a mix of race. It is a mix of, there's also something to just like, you have to extract the gold from the literal earth. Like you have to mess up the earth to get rich. And that is, that continues to this day. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Political, huh? I am getting, you know, I am getting a little big, political. Why don't you tell me what box. you think about big oil? What do you think about fracking? Man. It's bad, right? It is bad. Yeah. I think about it any time I hear about earthquake now. It's just fracking. Yeah. Even though I know that there are other reasons for earthquakes. But <laughs> but there should only be the natural reasons yeah. for earthquakes. We shouldn't be out here like making new reasons for earthquakes to happen. It's true. I don't understand the people who can be like climate change isn't real because humans can never do something on a scale that would harm Mother Gaia. But we can. I've played Final Fantasy VII. I know how it works. We're harming the planet all the time. Make earthquakes. We could dig enough stuff out of the earth to make it quake. The book. This book ends with uh, Lucy having saved her brother's life by. Basically, not like actually sacrificing her own life, but sacrificing all of her wants and needs. And the book ends with the guy that she has been indebted to being like, okay, what do you want? And it ends with her kind of rejecting what she thinks she wanted 
and the book the last two sentences are she opens her mouth she wants and there's no punctuation on she wants and then the book's just over um and i did get a bit of a like wow that book's over huh like i just got that good book feeling at the end where you're kind of sad that there's not more of it yeah but also like i'm like i know why you ended it there you clever mm-hmm. goose i know why you did that <laughs> Well, she re- she wants the reader to write in their own. <laughs> it's a Mad Lib. So yeah. I didn't realize. Sorry. I thought it was mm-hmm. more thematic about how the character wasn't sure what she wanted and we must imagine it. I didn't realize it was a Mad Lib. I'm sorry. Well, I mean, you must imagine it, but you also have to write it down. And that makes it real. The book. That yeah. makes it real. Sure, mm-hmm. sure, 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 sure. Um, this is a cool book. The real title. Andrew, can you say it again? Because I don't think I changed my notes correctly. How much of these hills is gold? Great. Okay. I didn't trust my corrected notes because I got in my head about it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the characters are strong. Um, there's some cool stuff that happens in the back half that I didn't really talk about because I want people to read this book. And I think it's a great addition and investigation of the American Western canon um, that is not about cowboys, but is about hunting for gold which don't we all just want to hunt for gold i mean i would like to have some gold sounds like a pain to hunt for gold these days for sure yeah man i have no better cap than that i'm really sorry (laughs) (laughs) that's okay would you andrew what do you think would happen to you if you were on the oregon trail um, I mean, dysentery, probably. I, I know that's a real joke, but I really do feel like I would not be good at preparing the food and beverages that I would need. I would get sick from food poisoning. Or, like, maybe I would... So, you know how you can only carry, like, 250 pounds of food back to your wagon? Like, they hadn't invented taking multiple trips until sometime after Oregon Trail times. Yeah. I would probably be like, well, I'm going to take all this food back to my wagon, but I would die from hubris <laughs> because there's a good reason why they didn't, why they wouldn't take more than that back to their wagon at once. Yeah, sure. Not knowing how much your oxen could handle. That's mm-hmm. a, that's a way to certain death, is what I've heard. Um, if you, the listener, want to email us about the Oregon Trail or you want to share some thoughts on this great book, you can do that. You can email us at overduepod at gmail.com and hit us up on Facebook or Twitter at overduepod. Uh, thanks to Graham, William, Jake, Red, Katie, Rob, Hannah, Daniel, and more for reaching out to us on social media this week. Andrew, thanks for letting me tell you about this rad book. Of course. Really, like when you tell me about books, I've let you do it like 200 and something times. I really appreciate it. Um, Andrew, if folks want to know more about the show, where should they go? They should go to overduepodcast.com. That is our internet website. Up there we have links to Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts and our RSS feed. You can also find us on Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you find fine podcasts. Uh, rate and review us in Apple Podcasts if you haven't already. And uh, you can also see our Patreon page, patreon.com slash overdue pod, get new bonus episodes before people on the main feed get them. Uh, we've got a new listener page. Use that to introduce people to the show. We've got links to the books that we 
have read and are going to read on bookshop.org, which is a way to support us and your local independent bookseller at the same time. Sounds pretty good to me. Uh, So, okay. Announcements. Next week, I'm going to be reading Why the Last Man, the graphic novel series by Brian K. Vaughn and Pia Guerra. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, people have asked um, if we're going to be doing the first volume or all of it. I am planning on doing all of it. So I've read the first one already and i've ordered the other like four in great the, okay in the series of that i'm reading there are a bunch of different editions yeah uh, but yeah that's that's the plan is to do the whole thing great and then um so for spooktober uh-huh our spooky spooktacular mm-hmm. um i'll just i'll run down the list real quick uh we are going to the we're going to open spooktober with midnight sun by stephanie meyer which is the twilight like from Edward's perspective book. It it's reversed. I think Edward is even in the Bella role. I no, think No, that's another one. That's the gender swapped one. Oh. They're different. Oh my god. I think. I mean, look it up and check that for me, but I think we'll find out. Books. Midnight Sun's the one that just came out. Uh we are going to be reading the Choose Your Own Adventure titled Revenge of the Russian Ghost by Jay Liebold going to be a good time we're going to read phantom of the opera by gaston larue we are going to read demon theory uh by uh, stephen graham jones and then for our bonus episode that month we are going to be reading lovecraft country by matt ruff mm. subject of a recent hbo series that is, uh, is i'm having fun with <laughs> It's not my most favorite thing in the whole world, but I'm having a good time. You are correct. I was thinking of Life and Death, Twilight Reimagined, but no, we are reading Midnight Sun. No, I will not read the gender-swapped <laughs> Twilight with the... What's the name of the... Oh, They have God. ridiculous names. I can't even. Let's Hold find on, I'm out. I'm just going to Twilight gender-swap. Oh, Bo Swan and Edith Cullen. Are you sure it's not Edith? Edith, I guess, is probably how it's pronounced, but there's a Bo- Y in there. Beaufort Swan. Oh, no. God. Blah. And uh, we are going to be talking about this on social media as well. But uh, since we are returning to the Twilight universe, we're going to take this as an opportunity to donate some of our show's uh, cash reserve to <laughs> to the Quileute tribe. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Specifically, uh, mthg.org, uh, the Move to Higher Ground initiative, which is about uh, protecting the tribe's like history and and heritage from uh, tsunamis and other uh, other effects of climate change. Yeah. So we will talk about that more when we do it. But yeah, if you have enjoyed Stephanie Meyer's work, consider donating some money to the people who she has kind of gotten a lot wrong yeah. about. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. All right, that's what I got. Anything else? No, that's the work. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Oh, do you in. want to mention our theme song? Oh, yeah. Thanks, Nick Larandis, for our theme song. Um, and thanks to our listeners for listening. Hope that everybody is doing okay and hanging in there, and we really appreciate just we just appreciate you. That's it. Yeah. That's all I have Hang to say, there, baby. It's uh, gonna be a rough rest of the year, I predict. This is it's. I hate to make predictions like this, but you know, it's one prediction where I'd love for you to be wrong. I would love to be wrong. Um, cool. Okay, everyone. Ne- next week, why the last man? We'll talk to you then. Until then, try to be happy. Bye. <laughs>
That was a headgum podcast. It's unclear. Yeah. Ooh, it, it. Sorry. Can you time code me? My chair made a weird noise. Oh yeah, it was the chair. It was the chair. Oh no, definitely it was the chair. It wasn't a fart. It was the arm on this chair that moved. Yeah, no, sure, it was definitely. Oh my yeah. god. Um, chair made a noise. What was I even f***ing talking about? <laughs> it's about the noise that your chair made. <laughs>